Hello, everyone. Welcome to Arash's World today. We have a special guest, Dr. Mike Van Thielen. How are you doing today? I'm great. How are you, Arash? I'm doing great. Uh, so great to have you on here. So I, the first question is the toughest, and we'll ease our way through. My first question is, how would you briefly describe yourself? And there are many things you can talk about, so I'm curious to see what you're going to focus on. Uh, well, you know, I, I took a long journey. I got this accent. I'm originally from Belgium. I grew up in uh, with just my mom who worked hard to provide for me and my brother. From a young age, I was very competitive uh, in sports, and that's why I ended up going to the University of Brussels in physical education, which was fun, but what are you going to do with that ultimately? So then I got into physical therapy and traveled with Olympic swimmers in preparation for Olympic Games in Atlanta in 1996. And then they were short of physical therapists in the United States. So I was recruited. I had to save $400, pack my backpack, put my jeans on and came live the American dream. And then started in physical therapy, but was exposed to acupuncture, oriental medicine and those types of things. Then I went back to school. I got my doctor of oriental medicine license in acupuncture, board certified in Chinese herbs, homeopathy, the whole nine yards. But after a few years and another thousand patients, uh, I got a little bit frustrated because these um, alternative uh, therapies are indeed less invasive than conventional medicine, meaning drugs, injections and surgeries. But I really didn't get the long lasting results I was hoping for either. So I had to go back to basics. And that's when I decided to get my PhD in holistic nutrition. And also I started to look at Mother Nature because I figured Mother Nature must have the truth about health. So I just started to look at animals in the wild and say what they were doing to stay healthy. And by combining those two, I really got really confident in helping anybody with their health issues, whether it's cancer, Parkinson's or whatever, to regain control of their health or optimize people's health. Or today I'm considered an expert biohacker, objectively reversing your biological age. Um, so that's what I'm to do. I'm a coach, a mentor, a keynote speaker. I'm working on some online courses to really reach as many people as I can to not only optimize their health or biohack, but also with their life goals, their purpose, their passion, uh, making them accountable and make sure they reach their goals and their dreams. Because just like in sports, a lot of it is just a mindset, getting organized, believing that you can achieve what you can achieve and having somebody to make you accountable. So that's a little bit my life story. And that's what I'm doing today. That's wonderful. That's great. So I can see that it's not a straight line. And I find myself in that too. It's like you go one direction, it's like, oh, wait, no, I want to yeah. go another direction. Maybe I want to add to this. You, It's kind of an eclectic mix. And I think that's wonderful to be open to those changes. Whereas I think a lot of people have like one fixed thing and they continue it. Even if it's wrong, they keep going. And I, I like the, the openness and uh, experimenting with new things. Some things work out, some things don't. But again, we don't know yes. until we try them out, right? And that's that's exactly, it's a mindset, yeah? Because when I first came here with $400, I didn't have a coach or a mentor. I was in my 20s. So obviously I got knocked down and taken advantage of several times. But my motto quickly became, I never lose, I win or learn. So people need never should look back and look at what they call failures. Those are stepping stones. Those are experiences and we need to ask ourselves what did we learn and take that lesson with us. That doesn't mean we're going to succeed the next time. Maybe we'll get another lesson. But the more lessons we accumulate, the further we get to our goals and dreams, you know. 
And there's the openness, though, to to go with that, to see it that way, because otherwise yeah. we keep repeating the same mistakes, and that kind of could be a vicious cycle in many ways. Yeah, and that's and that's what many people call the comfort zone, right? Because our brain is so basic that whenever we're thinking of getting out of our comfort zone, our mind tells us, no, you're safe here, you're content here, you're surviving, and maybe we're content, but we're not living a life of fulfillment. And so many of my mentees, I teach about what the comfort zone, because we all heard about the comfort zone, but what it really is and what to expect when you get out of the comfort zone, because you will get into a fear zone, then a learning zone, and then a growth zone. And also expect what other people will tell you if you tell them you're going to do something totally different, because it's usually your loved ones and your family that tell you, are oh, you crazy? Don't yeah, do that. Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. And so I teach my mentees to expect those reactions. Not because your loved ones don't want the best for you or don't want you to realize your dreams, but they unconsciously don't want you to make that move or drastic move or step in another direction because you are part of their comfort zone. That's right. That's right. And, and yeah. it's really the moment you step out of the comfort zone, it's like the alarm bell is ringing and we think it's a threat. But to ignore that and still go ahead and still continue because it's 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 that fear. Yes, and I love what you're saying about others too, how they're unconsciously projecting various of their own fears yes. onto us and pulling us back in many ways and stopping yes. us uh, to, to advance, right? To, and if we're grow. prepared for that and we know that we're not going to get into a conflict, but we know that that's the response that's going to be, then we can be proactive and we can yes. sit down with them and talk them in a calm voice and also tell them about the comfort zone and maybe they benefit to go out of the comfort zone with you and you need their support versus, you know, creating that division. So it's about preparation and being proactive when it comes to that. But like you said, it's it's when we step out of the comfort zone, we're into a new area. And for, for many of us, it's fearful. But if we start to understand that that's we many times, that's where we find our purpose. That's where we really discover ourselves that's where we can be extraordinary and that's where we can grow and unleash our superpowers. Then it becomes something very exciting. And if you have somebody to guide you through that and show you the pitfalls, then obviously that becomes a very uh, productive step forward towards your goals and dreams. Yeah. And one of the things I tell myself, this is going to be uncomfortable. This is not going to, no, not going to be fun. Perhaps it's going to be uncomfortable to prepare yourself, as you're saying, but still to go through that and through with it. And often our negative expectations, we expect things to be worse than they actually are. Or we accept yes. people to react in, in a more negative way than they do in reality. So to kind of deal with that, that kind of mindset that, that limits us and to be open to that experience, however uncomfortable it may seem, or it may be at that moment yeah no like you said it's mindset right mm -hmm. so being ready for that and eliminating those false core beliefs it's it's having ourselves pulled forward by the future and not held down by our past experiences yeah so uh, unleash your superpower you mentioned that earlier that's your book the izod method uh, i mm -hmm. that od method unleash your superpower so uh, what is that and uh, what would be your your practice here your methods what are you looking yes, at yes so here? this is the book it's book number 8 all the other books were about health and this was a little bit broader because you know, a little bit of background during the uh, pandemic, a colleague of mine, a doctor asked me to uh, help out with pre-screening calls for medical marijuana. And I wasn't doing much. I was, you know, in a phase where I was deciding what I wanted to do. So I had some extra time. So I said, sure. So I ended up talking to over 100 people 
per week with ADHD, depression, PTSD, anxiety, all that kind of stuff. And yes, there's therapies and drugs out there, but um, there, there really was a common denominator when I talked to them. It was they didn't have any purpose in life. They was going with the motions. Uh, they were going to work every day, bombarded with extra work, going home, trying to get the kids to soccer, uh, and then dealing with whatever, ever, never be able to catch up and uncertain about tomorrow, next week, next month, uh, even financially. So if I put myself in that position, obviously I would be worried too if I don't know what tomorrow or next week brings. And so those worries and fears translate into anxiety, depression, and mental uh, conditions, right? So that's why in this book, I decided to not just talk about help and this particular book about biohacking, but also talk about a lot of these underlying issues about purpose in life and about being in control and scripting your life, being in control of your agenda and your calendar, because... The more we script our life and the more we are in control and knowing what's happening tomorrow, next week, next month, next year, and five years from now, if we get that under control, control creates clarity and clarity reduces all stress. So once I started doing this with some of my clients, suddenly we didn't need any drugs or therapies because that anxiety, those worries went away just because we organized that life and we found purpose and fulfillment on a daily basis. And suddenly, all those mental conditions disappear, right? One of the things I find, though, when I find I'm in control of things, then things get out of control or the unexpected happens. So how can you prepare for that? Because you can have the best plan, what, the best plan you can come up with, but still something might go wrong and something unexpected that you haven't foreseen would happen yeah. to you. So how are, can we and, prepare And that can be that? a hurdle, and then we'll have to deal with that, but we right. can't focus, we, we can't lose our focus on the finish line. Okay. You know? yeah, so we have to see that as a detour, we deal with it and then we'll get back on track. You know, just like an athlete that's playing for the Olympics, maybe they get hurt on the field and they, they're going to be sidelined for four weeks or they need a surgery. And now we may have to adjust the plan um, just because we had this happening to us. And now our training period is four weeks shorter. And so now we may have to adjust that training or nutrition or some therapies to still be ready for the Olympic Games, right? So it happens to everybody. And it's about being able to make those adjustments, but not losing uh, sight of your ultimate goal and dream. I want to get into biohacking because I, I, I attended a couple of years ago during the pandemic. I attended the, one of the biohacking conferences. Yeah. I found it fascinating. There was a lot of good stuff. There's also some stuff that wasn't so good, right? So kind of sifting of through course. that, which you get anywhere, right? So there's no blame there. But what I found fascinating is also I, Dr. Porter was talking about the three different brains that we have and which just like opened my mind in many ways. We're like so limited in just the brain and the, in our head. But no, our whole body is communicating with us, is thinking, is feeling, is giving us information and really to be attuned uh, with that and within that and to learn from it. So I yeah. found that fascinating and also how trying to improve your functions, whether it's thinking, whether it's physical functions and so on and deliberate ways of doing that. So what is your approach here in terms of biohacking? What do you do? Well, you know, uh, first of all, biohacking has many definitions, right? It's a very amorphous term. So my definition of biohacking is upgrading the body, the mind, and life. And from a health point of view, it means objectively reversing our biological age. Because I believe that today, even the average person, you don't have to be elite. If we implement the strategies and the tips and the technologies that are out there, I believe that anybody can be 100 years old or older. But... 
more importantly, being able to do what a 40-year-old does at age 100. In other words, travel and hike or do whatever it is that you like to do. And I think that's really possible today. And so that's upgrading that body and that um, mind. Now, I usually categorize my clients in three categories. Uh, number one, it's those people that uh, come to me for their health problems, whether they are, are in pain or they are overweight or they are diagnosed with some type of a disease. So that's phase number one. We need to regain control of their health and get back to quote unquote normal. Uh, so that's phase number one. Then once we're back to quote unquote baseline normal, then we need to get to optimal health. So we need to incorporate lifestyle modifications so that we feel fit and energetic and vital and strong again, and that we're in control of our physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual well-being. And only then, only then will become optimal health in phase number three, will become the ideal foundation to maximize the benefits of biohacking strategies. Because we need to move through those phases, right? If you are overweight and you have diabetes or a heart condition and you're always tired and if you had adrenal fatigue and you name it, and we're going to put a technology on you to reverse your biological age, your body's not going to respond, right? Because it's in a state of flight and fight and inflammation and trying to put out fires. So I carefully put my clients in those steps and, and walk them through those three phases, uh, and one, once we're through those three phases, it's all about, you know, getting younger and younger biologically. And uh, we can objectively measure that even. So this is this is scientifically based. But like you said, um, you know, when you go to those expos and conferences, just like probably any conference yeah. or any subject, you always have the people there with the quackery or the gadgets that don't work. Uh, and they're trying to make a buck, right? So you need somebody that can distinguish between something that's scientific and it's actually uh, giving you an objective improvement that we can measure or something that may or may not work and we'll never know and we waste some money on, right? And in terms of technology, what are you using or what are you recommending here? Because they, they did it to mention gadgets and I saw lots of gadgets and some of them seem cool and some of them not so much. Yeah. So what would you recommend in terms of technology? When I, when I start uh, with people, a lot of people don't have the money to invest in a hyperbaric chamber to use at home yeah. or an infrared sauna yeah. or the brain tap because you mentioned Dr. Porter, tap, although yeah. the brain tap is not that expensive, right? A few hundred dollars versus a hyperbaric is several thousands of dollars. So, so there are technologies that could be helpful for sure. But when I work with my clients, we're not talking about technologies. We're talking about putting the seven foundations in place first. Because like anything else, if we want to build an empire, we got to get a solid foundation. We cannot reverse our biological age if we're not willing to put in the work. There are no shortcuts. There are no magic bullets. But we got to work on certain foundational principles on a daily basis. And if we include those simple principles and start utilizing or incorporating those in our life, then we're building a solid foundation. And then maybe next year when we feel everything's working and you want to go to the next level, then maybe we can, you know, take off some of our savings and invest in the technology if we think at that point it may be beneficial. So, yes, we see a lot of technologies, but many times they won't have the intended effect on the person person that purchases those technologies because they don't have the foundations. Their body is not ready to receive that information and make those adaptations. 
One of the simplest and most cost-effective methods that I've started using over the past year is intermittent fasting, which uh, does not... It saves you money. (laughs) It saves you money. Actually, the opposite. And it's amazing. Is this something you practice? Is it something you would recommend as well? Yeah, for sure. I've always... Uh, you know, like a decade ago, I tried those two, three, four-day fast, and that's just that's just very difficult. Yeah. So when I started doing intermittent fasting, it became a habit pretty quickly without making any effort, because I always preach that breakfast is the worst or the least important meal of the day. Exactly. Nobody should eat breakfast. Yeah. And so if you consume food between 11 a.m. and 5, 6 p.m., uh, you know, then obviously you're intermittent fasting the evening and all night and you skip breakfast. And so you get used to that pretty quickly. And like you said, uh, you give your body the chance to repair, replenish, regenerate. You give your digestive system a rest and all the other benefits of fasting, which is getting rid of, you know, dead cells, cancer cells, yeah. you know, uh, cleaning up. I always tell people it's like a supermarket. You know, imagine that for one night or even two nights, the people during the night shift don't restock the shelves. Are we going to have a supermarket that functions? No, of course not. It's the same with our body at night. We need to repair, replenish, regenerate so we can be be 100% or 110% the next morning. And so, you know, it's very important that we allow uh, that, that time frame where we don't burden our body with food or drinks because digestive efforts take 60 to 80% of our energy. So, you know, we need to get away from that. And so intermittent fasting has endless, uh, you know, uh, health benefits for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And I found that too. And I actually was suffering from from various issues, including diabetes. And I went to diabetic class and they said, you have to have your three meals and two snacks. I'm like, oh my God, like, no, that's not what I'm going to do. One meal a day. It's what I do. Just like the Romans, the Greek, Jesus, Moses, and all animals in the wild. Right. Okay. That's wonderful. Now, in terms of exercise, something that uh, I need to do more and I'm, I find sometimes hard to do as well. So what would you recommend here? I mean, you're, you're world record holder and that's, that, that's something too, too difficult to live up to. But for us ordinary folks, uh, what would you say? How can we get started there? Yeah, no, it's a good question. Uh, Becoming a world record holder or training at top level is not healthy at all. It really breaks down the body and it's not something I suggest for anybody to do long term. When we're talking about health, we we should get rid of the uh, of the um, of the word exercise, because in order to be healthy, we don't have to go to the gym or we don't have to play organized sports. But what we need to do is move. Movement is key because our body is a plumbing system we have a circulatory system that everybody's aware of and we also have a lymphatic system which less people are aware of but the lymphatic system is also a key part of our immune system right so we're a plumbing system so we need to make sure that nothing stagnates we need to keep things moving so there's two major things we need to hydrate think about a plumbing system we need to drink enough clean water during the day so nothing becomes stagnant and we need to move so when you talk about exercise i would tell your viewers it's about movement not exercise because even you can be you can be somebody that goes to the gym every day for an hour and a half but what if they have a sedentary job and they sit selling insurance on the phone for eight, nine hours. They are not healthy, even though they exercise every day. So health is movement and movement is throughout the day. So you need to walk around. You need to go to a dance lesson. You need to play with the dogs or the grandkids. 
you need to go outdoors and do things in the weekend and the evenings. And if you can't, maybe then certain technologies can help you out, like a vibration flat platform or a mini trampoline. But our cells and our body needs to be in motion. We are not designed to sit down because that's when things become stagnant and that's when we get in trouble. So it's about movement. Mm -hmm. But what about uh, meditation, which is your yeah, lack of movement? Yeah. Is it something you would recommend? Or again, in yes, what I, yeah, meditation is a tool. And, and uh -huh. so what we, what we need is we really need to, like we mentioned before, we need to work on our mindset. We need to understand that the mind controls our body and even controls disease and the outcome of disease. And the mind also is the blueprint to our failure or our success in the future, which brings us to our belief system, right? We talked earlier about eliminating false core beliefs and leaving the past behind us and being pulled, pulled forward by our future. So we got to start focusing our future. And, when, and with my mentees, I do the same thing. I start working on mindset immediately. Right now, I have a cancer patient and I have a Parkinson's patient I'm working with. And the first thing I do is I work on that mindset because they have been labeled. The doctor told them, you have cancer, you're a cancer patient. So consciously or unconsciously, that's sitting in that brain 24-7. And if we don't get rid of that label and the belief system or the doubts even, if you doubt you're going to... If you doubt you're going to overcome that cancer or if you doubt that you're going to be successful in your business or your goals or your dreams, then the universe has two options, failure or success. If we eliminate the doubt and if I convince my patients or I work on my patient's mindset to a point that they believe they're going to overcome the cancer and they're going to become a grandfather and they're going to see their kids grow up and they're going to be 80 years old and still traveling – and if that's the picture we present, and if that's the thoughts that we have, because the belief is nothing but a thought that we keep on thinking so we can change it, right? And so work on that, uh, then, then we actually, then the universe only has one option, right? It's a, a big win or a success. So we really, really need to tip the scale to a strong belief system that we are going to be successful, eliminating those doubts and those false core beliefs whether it's in overcoming a disease or being successful or being a better father or being a better spouse or reaching your business goals or becoming a billionaire because you're just a millionaire, whatever it is, it does not really matter. That mindset becomes important. And so you mentioned meditation. Meditation is one of the tools in which we can tip into the, tap into the different brain waves and get into a state where we can block out all the distractions and visualize and manifest in those types of things. And for some people that works, for me, it didn't work. When I probably 15 years ago wanted to meditate, it was so difficult for me to empty my mind and get into a meditative state. But today there's many tools and many strategies available, such as I mentioned visualization, manifestation, breath work. Uh, you, you mentioned Dr. Porter, the, uh, the uh, CEO of BrainTap or the inventor of BrainTap, which is basically, you know, a device, a technology that we can utilize with thousands of programs, whether you want to focus or whether you want to be in a deep delta stage. Whatever it is that we want to accomplish, we put on the sound, the light that goes through the eyelids and through the ears, and it, it facilitates us getting into those meditative states and visualizing and manifesting the things that we want in life. For me personally, breath work is the easiest way to get into a meditative state because if I really focus on my breath, suddenly everything else leaves my mind because I'm so focused on one thing, you know, there's no other distractions, and that gets me personally into a state. 
So I do it with my clients. I experiment and let them try those different things. And whatever works for them will become part of their power routine that they can count on each and every time to get a desired result. Now, um, and I agree for me, my meditation can be stressful when I was like, am I doing it right? Or this is not working. Or yeah. I, I feel like more stressed than relaxed. So again, it's for everyone, it's kind of different. But I want to ask something about specifically, what's the difference here between wishful thinking and what you're talking about? Because there are people who use like they think positively, even things, uh, even though things are pretty bad around them and where that's yeah. not helpful, where you that's kind of the comfort zone again, revealing itself. So yeah, how can we uh, deal with that? That difference? Yeah, positive thinking, dreaming, wishing, you know, that's all nice, but uh, it's good for your mind. It's better than negative emotions and negative things. So there's nothing bad about positive thinking and wishing. But in order for that to come to fruition, uh, we need to take a few more steps. We actually need to, again, believe strongly that it will happen and also assume the feelings that go with that end result. It's like we're already living that dream and not just in our mind or not just have that vision board there, but actually have the feeling of those being accomplished already. And that is part of manifesting and part of visualization. So, you know, people talk about a visualization board and they're cutting out the car they want and the house they want and they're looking at it every day. That's not a bad start. But the next step is that we need to do that regularly, at least on a daily basis, but also incorporate the other senses with it, not just looking at that picture of that car that you want, but also thinking about how would you feel and how would your family respond if you realized your goals and your dreams and all the emotions, the temperature, the taste, the sensations, the reactions of other people, those need to be imagined and heartfelt that's and important. that's true manifesting and visualization and if you put those feelings out there then those resources will come to you to realize your dream just praying for it or wishing for it is going to have very limited results i'm afraid yeah that's a great point we embody it in many ways not just the thought yes. because thought on its own cannot do anything it's too limited but once again we we fully embrace something that can you can work wonders with that but i want to talk yes. about the universe i find actually the universe has the best interest of us in mind if if you think of it and even though bad things happen there's the opportunity to to really grow from that so uh, we we focus on the negative as as you're saying too but often it's like you can turn that into a positive in different ways. Again, it's not like minimizing it, but I think that in the end, the universe has the best interest in our in, uh, for us in our in their mind or in its mind, in her mind, whatever we want to say. Whereas for when sure. we look at religion, though, religion we're constantly afraid because we're displeasing the the father, the parent, or the authority, <laughs> and we might be punished. The idea of punishments and so on, and I think that's not helpful for optimizing health, as as, as you're saying. No, because you know, uh, uh, love and fear are antidote. You can, you know, they tell you in church, you need to love God. And then they also tell you, you need to fear God. That's impossible. Yeah. You either love God or you fear God, but you cannot love and fear God, right? So you either are a hundred percent in and love him, but if you fear them, you can't love him. Right. You know, exactly. so they're, they're an antidote. So got to be careful there. Yes. It makes you paranoid. I mean, when, especially <laughs> when you look at the Protestant work ethic, it was like constant working because you always watch. And I think just like, just relax in those things. And we need to uh, 
often relaxed, and I think that's missing. And what what is uh, I I like competition, I like being competitive, and so on. But I think there's also a moment where we need to just let loose, relax, not keep trying, like you're saying, not become a world record holder. And, uh, and again, just no. to 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 take it easy as well, right? And uh, to find that balance. Would you agree with that? Yeah, always. It's always yin and yang, and it's slow. Yeah. It's it's. I mean, sports is so easy to understand, right? That's why people overtrain. Uh, they train so much that their body cannot catch up with restoring and repairing, and that's when you get injured. And so it's always this delicate balance. That's why I one of the seven foundations, and we mentioned a few already, uh, is we need that deep delta sleep where we where we where our digestive system is not in digesting and we can get in a deep delta sleep where we restock everything, right? We talked about that already. And so that's the rest. So we need that careful balance between sympathetic and parasympathetic, between being active and being resting and repairing so that we can continue to function optimally. You know, when, when we're in overdrive, that's when, when conventional medicine talks about stress and adrenal fatigue and exhaustion and injury. And that's because we're in overdrive. So yes, we need that delicate balance between being highly productive and focused and then, you know, uh, taking care of ourselves. It's the fable of the goose and the golden eggs, right? <laughs> yeah. You know, we cannot take care of others if we don't take care of ourselves. So we really need to have that time for, you know, self-development, uh, rest, uh, and again, replenishing and repairing and time to work on our mind. And so we need those power routines on a daily basis that are just for us. So we can go out in the world and be productive and help other people. Um, if if we don't take that time, then very soon we're going to be exhausted, adrenal fatigue, stressed. Mm -hmm. And so now we are becoming ill. We're in ill health. And now somebody else needs to help us, mm -hmm. right? Exactly. So again, you need to be in balance so that we continue to, you know, optimize ourselves as, as a human being and be there to service others. Um, but if we exhaust ourselves, we become a victim and we become somebody that needs help. So yeah. you're 100% right. We need to always you know, step outside of our box and make sure we maintain that balance. In a way, calibrating. I mean, that's kind of biohacking too. You calibrate yes. the machine of making Re sure it resets, resets, resets reset reset. as well. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what was the influence of Oriental medicine? Yeah, we we follow Western medicine too much. Again, that's again uh, out of whack and not calibrating. And so, uh, what was the uh, what did the Oriental medicine show you or teach you? What were your findings about that? That looking at yeah, uh, so. Yeah, so the the only the only good thing I got from uh, from that study is that it does look at the body as a whole. Yeah. In the conventional medicine, we got all these specialists, yeah. and you know you cannot look at the heart without looking at the lungs and the kidneys and the body and everything else. You cannot look, you know, at a joint without looking at the diet and the inflama inflammation, and so. Western medicine is very silly that it compart com, uh, you know, put things in compartments and tries to find a solution. It's like you know, uh, chasing a poison snake, uh, a snake that just bit you with the poison in your body. It's just not ever going to give you a solution. It's only going to keep you chasing. And just look around you. People that go to a doctor, they always get on more and more and more medications and get in more and more trouble. There's never a solution. Actually, it's a gradual progression 
of more and more issues when you go to a conventional medicine doctor because they look at things in compartments. And so what I learned from Oriental medicine, traditional Chinese medicine, you look at the body as a whole. Mm -hmm. But like I said before, I got... I didn't get long-lasting results with that either because they are still modalities, acupuncture, Chinese herbs. It's still a modality. Mm -hmm. And so we need to really not only look at the body as a whole, but also, you know, make sure that we understand that drugs, surgeries, injections, but also acupuncture, chiropractor, food, high-quality supplements, nothing of that cures, only the body can heal itself. Mm -hmm. So we need to start to understand that our body is so complex, trillions of cells with each of the millions of chemical reactions per second. The, the audacity that we even have that we think that our human interference would result in a positive outcome is quite frankly ridiculous. Mm -hmm. And so what we need to understand is that the body knows what it's doing and that it can heal itself and that our job is to put it in the right conditions to give it the right tools to balance it so it can take care of itself right mm -hmm. and so we need to look at energy and vibration and frequencies and so when we help somebody we need to make sure that we use those types of therapies to get the body into a position where it can eliminate whatever that's going on and you've also studied holistic nutrition. So what would be some tips here for us to, to become, to optimize our body by looking at specifically nutrition and holistic? I like that term too, combined with yes. nutrition. So what would you recommend here briefly to us? Yeah, because I mean, especially today, even if you think about diets for the last three, four, five decades, but even when you talk about health, everybody comes up with this new fad diet or this new strategy or, oh, we need to eat according to our blood type or this or that. And I'm not saying there's not some truth to some of those things, but look, we're all humans. We all have the same biology, physiology. And so, you know, so generally speaking, um, I'm very confident in knowing what's healthy for us and what's not healthy. And common sense will help us with that. And many times I tell people, you know, when they get different opinions from doctor is ask yourself the question, what do animals in the wild do? And many times you will get the correct answer. So when it comes to holistic, you know, I simplify things so people can understand. So I believe there's only one cause of all disease. It's called toxemia. Toxemia literally means toxins in the blood. But in a little bit more detail, what it means is that as part of daily living, as part of our metabolism, we obviously produce waste products and toxins. But in a healthy organism, those toxins are eliminated by the kidneys, the bowels, the skin, etc. So no harm is done, right? Now, in today's society, with everything that's going on, unfortunately, we are exposed to and ingest far more toxins than the body possibly can eliminate. So now these toxins accumulate in our blood and our body. And that's what we call toxemia. Now, toxemia does two things. Number one, these toxins falling around. Uh, they spawn free radicals because toxins steal an electron from a healthy atom, which then becomes unstable, which we call free radicals. And we know that free, radical, free radicals can cause oxidative stress on a cellular level, right? So that's number one. But number two is even easier to understand. 
because now these toxins are floating around and we can't keep up with elimination. So now we're in a state of emergency and conventional medicine has given that a name actually. They call it systemic inflammation. And they now agree that systemic inflammation is the cause of over 90% of all disease, actually all disease, right? So what do we need to do in order to avoid all disease? We need to keep toxemia in check. How do we do that? Theoretically, it's actually pretty easy. We need to do whatever we can to mitigate or to avoid the toxins that we take in from what? From man-made foods, man-made drinks, over-the-counter and prescription medication, you know, toxic household products, cleaning products, beauty products, and then today electromagnetic frequencies and radiation from our Bluetooth devices, our cell phones, etc. We need to do whatever we can to reduce that exposure and intake while simultaneously increasing the nutrients that do what? fight free radical damage and repair our DNA and fight systemic inflammation. And if we can skip that balance still only just here, then we will never be sick and we will be superhuman. And that's tough to do, though, in our today's world. I mean, wherever you go, like there's like, you know, wireless devices, there's food, there's not like food and so on. And, so and that's why you need to learn as an individual. This this is my previous book uh, from last year. This was an Amazon bestseller electromagnetic radiation, the invisible threat. And so I give hundreds of, of tips what you as an individual can do without even spending money to protect yourself as much as possible for from those invisible, you know, uh, harmful waves or radio frequencies. Wonderful, wonderful discussion. So I'm just curious also for one final question. I'd like to know what the ISOT stands for. The ISOT. Yeah, ISOT stands for In the Zone On Demand. Cool. Because most people think that being in the zone is just for athletes, right? Mm-hmm. And most of us have experienced being in the zone once or twice in their lifetime. And it's like, we all think it happens by chance. Like, oh my God, I won my race. Or, oh my God, I crushed that sales presentation. Or, oh my God, I played my violin perfectly for the first time. And I wasn't even thinking about it, right? But, <clears throat> but we think it happens by chance. And so this book teaches you the skill, no matter who you are, to get into the zone whenever you want to, meaning being focused, being productive and realizing your goals and your dreams. And there's a method to it that I teach people on how to do that so they can be very productive and move to that next level in whatever it is that they are pursuing. I find I'm in the zone podcasting, and especially with, with yeah. someone like you. So that's that's wonderful. <laughs> Thank you, you so much. No distractions. <laughs> no, no, I'm fully focused on you. So Dr. Okay. Mike, you are a biohacker, author, international keynote speaker, world record holder, physical therapist, holistic uh, nutritionist, as well as a coach. So and many, many more things, I'm sure. Thank you so much for being on Rash's World. And the book is The Eyesod Method, Unleash Your Superpower, which is your most recent book, as you were saying. That's correct. So yes. Best of luck with that. And thank you you so much being uh, for being on the rashes world here yeah great and uh, for your viewers if they want to look me up my website is biohackingunlimited.com and everything my mentorship programs books uh, free email subscriptions everything's on the website biohackingunlimited.com thank you so much